Welcome to Rethink Retail, the show where we dive into the stories and strategies behind some of the most successful brands on the planet. From brick and mortar giants to e-commerce disruptors, we uncover the secrets to their success and deliver the keys to true retail transformation. So ask yourself, are you ready to rethink retail? The future of retail starts now. Hello, and welcome back to the Rethink Retail podcast. I'm your host, Gabriella Bach, and today I'm joined by my guests, Anna Harmon and Lisa Bubbers. They are the co-founders of Studs, which is a trailblazing brand in the world of ear piercings that is redefining self-expression through its expertly curated collection of earrings, as well as its unique services and stores. Anna, Lisa, thanks so much for joining today. So glad to be here. Thanks so much for having us. Absolutely. And you guys, you're a super interesting concept. And so I I really like to zoom out just a little bit and have you tell our listeners, probably in particularly our male listeners, a little bit about the ear piercing experience that many of us girls probably grew up with and then why you think that experience was ripe for disruption. Sure. So this is Anna. If you grew up like we did in the 80s or even more recently in the 90s or the 2000s, you probably got your first piercings at the mall or your pediatrician or a local jewelry store. And predominantly, you got them at the mall. And when you turned, call it 13 plus, and you started to want to get second piercings, if your mom allowed you to do that, you most likely really didn't have somewhere to go that made a lot of sense to you. And so Studs was born actually out of me going to get another piercing probably five years ago now, going to a very premium place in Manhattan, being told I was going to wait two hours and I would have spent hundreds of dollars getting pierced. And I ended up leaving because I didn't think that if I was going to spend that much money, I should be at a place that was making me wait two hours. And I went to a tattoo parlor and Lisa actually came with me to go get pierced and I got my second hole done. And I started to wonder at that moment, while the piercing experience was really great at this tattoo parlor and it was done well with a needle and I felt really well handled by my piercer, I didn't like the jewelry and I was in the tattoo parlor and I was confused why I was there because the environment wasn't really right for me. And I had obviously graduated from these mall brands. And my only option really was the tattoo parlor. And Lisa and I started talking about, well, there must be a better way to do this. And no one had really innovated on the space in quite some time. And we thought there was a really a ripe opportunity to do so. Yeah. One thing I'll add is when Anna and I were looking at the space for reinvention, it wasn't even necessarily to redo that ear piercing experience of our youth. You know, we really loved and feel nostalgic for that first piercing experience. It was really noticing that there was a hole in the market for what I coined the term earscaping for second and third piercings, for fourth piercings, fifth piercings, for more advanced piercings like your tragus and your doth and your helix. You're really prioritizing health and safety when you're getting more piercings as you get older. There was no national brand that used needles and there was no piercing assortment that was affordable but cute to provide jewelry because when you get these advanced piercings, that jewelry is in your ear for a year or two years or more. And so we were, we really were looking at um, category invention, which is how do you make a brand for Gen Z and millennials, for 18 to 35-year-olds that 
probably already have their lobes pierced, maybe have already gotten one piercing, but really want to build their earscape. And then how do you connect that better retail and piercing experience to earring shopping so that you can buy all the fun stuff for your lobes and change out your earrings frequently? Yeah, super fascinating kind of story on the inspiration behind studs, one that was born out of your own personal experience. Always intriguing to learn about the inspiration and the journey that that led to the creation of innovative companies. I, I did want to ask, so you mentioned those those other piercings, maybe it's a second, third hole or the cartilage. Are you guys also bringing in customers who are maybe this is their first time getting their ears pierced? Definitely, yes. And, you know, I think for us, we're really excited about the brand appealing to everyone from first piercings to 25th piercing, right? We definitely have that customer. I think Studs really focuses on customers who are 13 plus, And obviously, many customers who get their first piercings are younger than 13. And so we are here for you if you are 13 plus and haven't gotten your ears pierced. And we've had people that are as old as 75 come in to get their ears pierced for the first time. So you guys, you're really one of the first to offer needle-only piercings at scale. So can you discuss the benefits and maybe some of the challenges, too, of implementing this method? Because, you know, historically, like the mall piercings are always done with the piercing gun. Was there any, like, education that needed to be done with consumers to get them on board with needle piercing? Or has most people caught on to the fact that piercing guns really aren't the best method for non-traditional lobe piercing and maybe even the, the best method for ear piercing at all. I, I think I've heard that the guns really aren't the best method for that. So has there been any kind of education that you guys have had to do on your part? So I think in terms of needles versus guns, just to set the stage for your listeners, getting your ear pierced with a gun is like putting a three-hole punch through your ear. It forces the tissue back in this sort of blunt way. And a needle is obviously, one, can be sterilized and we only use single-use needles. And two, creates just a much more precise cut on your ear, as well as there are certain piercings on your ear that you can't even do with a gun. So we are able to do your entire ear in this way that is much more healthy and much more safe. In terms of the customer's awareness of that, interestingly, many customers are already aware of it. It's why they're going to the tattoo parlor, right? And why they're not going back to any of the mall brands. And so we actually didn't find that we had to do a lot of education we, around it. We do it anyway because I think it's just best practice. But the customers actually are choosing studs for the predominant reason that we offer needles. With that in mind, then, I, I would imagine that there is a growing trend then of, of consumers who are getting those maybe non-traditional piercings, the second, the third, the cartilage, the tragus. Are we seeing a, a growing trend in that within the, within the culture? I definitely think we are, especially if you look at celebrity culture. So many cool celebrities from Zoe Kravitz to Scarlett Johansson to Ashley Graham have many piercings, and we have a lot of celebrities that have come to studs for their second piercings, Rosalia, Emma, Emma Chamberlain. I think there's a growing trend in general workplace norms, relaxing over the last 20 years, self-expression and really using your hair and your nails and your makeup. There's just been a natural pro progression towards using your body to self-express. And I think there's just been more acceptance of it. And so the cooler your escape, like the cooler you are. <laughs> so I think that people are 
really looking for new ways to self-express. But then I also think conversely, it's a pretty low risk way to do it. So if you aren't ready to get a permanent tattoo, if you do not want to completely change your hair color, getting a second or third piercing can be a kind of low risk, fun, dainty, cute way to do something a little bold without going into complete transformation. You know, you mentioned the earscaping. So I think it's a super cool concept um, that you guys introduced. Can you tell us a little bit about what earscaping is and then how it's resonated with your customers? Yeah. When Anna and I were doing our consumer insights and understanding the customer before we launched the company, we were talking to a lot of different types of consumers, mostly 18 to 35. And the main thing we noticed beyond people wanting a better retail experience with this expertise, with needles and a better piercing assortment was that the experiences they were having were completely divorced from their earring shopping. So our customer was going to a tattoo shop, getting a piercing. They didn't love that earring that was going to then be in their ear for a year. They had no relationship with that tattoo shop after. They had no support on aftercare and healing and how to take care of their piercing. They had no communication with that shop. And then if their ear piercing did heal, hopefully fingers crossed it healed, they would then go buy earrings somewhere else, whether they would buy them on Shop Off or Urban Outfitters or wherever they would go buy their earrings. And it, it, there's no reason why that should be disconnected. The reason you're getting a hole in your ear is to wear earrings. That's the whole point. And so it was very obvious to us that the best version of this experience would bring them together. But there was no word for that term that where it's, okay, I'm going to an expert that's going to help me choose my ear piercing placement based on my anatomy, help me choose which piercings, help me look at which jewelry works in those piercings and help me really merchandise and style the rest of my ear with a great earring assortment that um, makes sense for my personal style and for my ear anatomy. And so I invented the term earscape to kind of encompass that whole journey. And I think it's really taken off and people have really loved it because that is the natural customer desire and need. And there just wasn't an experience or an offering that was catering to that. Yeah, that that's super cool. Side note, when I was 13, I wanted second holes and then I wanted a third hole and then I wanted my cartilage done all at the same time. I did it myself with a safety <laughs> pin and <gasps> I stuck in earrings that I already had and the outcome was not oh, good. No. Um, but you know, very, but very brave. You're a very brave 13 year old to do I that. Was, I really wanted to be cool. The infection was not cool. <laughs> but you know, I, I, you shared the earscaping and it really sounds like an art form in a way. At the same time, kind of putting holes in ears can be a little bit of a big deal. So I kind of want to know what, what does the training then look like for this service? And how do you evaluate whether someone has a critical eye for earscaping? I think two parts of our service, which is our front of house team that's going to help you choose earrings for your healed holes and help you decide whether to get pierced at studs and kind of start you off on your journey or studs. And then we have our piercers who um, are trained via studs and are all um, really trained to do the console to help you choose exactly which piercing and to pierce you. And our team really thinks of themselves as earscape artists and we have really creative artistic people that work at the stud studios, whether it's um, the front of house that's going to help you choose the pair of hoops or the piercer that's going to help you decide between a doth and a tragus. And we really think of the team as extremely artistic. And we have a really fun ear inspo Slack channel where we get to see everyone's creative work every day. And we really celebrate all the creativity that you can do with earscaping. There's literally limitless possibilities based on the number of piercing jewelry we have and the number 
of piercings you can have on your ear, it's infinite combinations. And so we love to see the creativity of our team and of the customer. I mean, the customer is so creative. If you look at Studs' Instagram and you look at our tagged photos and our portfolio of our piercers and what's on our Instagram, it's limitless creativity and possibility of what you can do with your ear. So if a person comes in, let's say I come in and I want to have my ear escaped, what does that process look like a little bit? Would I be able to see a rendering of what my ear would look like after everything's said and done? Typically what would happen is you would come in and you would have sort of created inspiration imagery for yourself. You would have either saved photos from Instagram or taken screenshots of things you were excited about. You would show them to your piercer and say, this is the look that I'm trying to achieve. They would then examine your ear anatomy and say, we can't do this, we can't do that. And then they would hold up different pieces of our piercing jewelry to your ear so that you could get a sense of what it would look like when it was finished. We only do two piercings at a time. And so you would probably, if you really were trying to go for a full look or transformation, you would probably come back to studs multiple times. But luckily, there's a lot of real estate available on the ear. And so I think for us, what we see is customers who have very aspirational ears that they're really excited about, people who have upwards of 10 plus piercings on an ear. And they're like, I'm coming back to achieve this over two years with you all. And we love that. Wow, that's super cool. I didn't know you could fit 10 on an earlobe. That's ambitious. Oh, yeah. More. More? More. I got two additional ones today. And I've got a ton of real estate left. Oh, how many do you have? Now... I have nine total. That's super cool. I've got two and a bunch of (laughs) holes that are closed up from this incident. Uh, Well, I want to switch gears and go from ears to retail. And your stores are super playful. They're colorful. They're unique. Can you tell me a little bit about the considerations that have then gone into the design and the curation of your spaces? Yeah. Thank you for that. That's how they're intended. So I'm glad that's how you're perceiving them. Anna and I wanted to create a retail design that accomplished a few things. First was fresh and fun and embodied the brand. Studs is equal parts health and safety and fun expression and playfulness of this is not a dental office. This is something that you are doing to feel really excited and happy and expressive and playful about what you're doing. So we we wanted that to be true, but we also know this is a needle through your body. Health and safety and cleanliness is super, super important to us and to the customer. So we really wanted to have a space that could be reflective of those tenets of health and safety and the playfulness and inclusiveness of the brand. We also wanted to make sure that the brand was inclusive. You know, a lot of people get their ears pierced across um, every dimension. And we knew that we wanted our brand to be incredibly massed, to scale nationally. And so we want the spaces to be for whoever wants to step foot in them. You know, there is no photography in the spaces. That's a choice. We want the spaces to be these like really cool galleries that make you feel extremely welcome, that help you on your earscaping journey. You can Instagram because you love the neon and you love the hot green acrylic and you love the selfie mirror and you loved your piercer and you loved your piercing experience. And the act of piercing is something you want to share. You want to send it in the group text. You want to put it on your Instagram. You want to commemorate that you just did this fun thing. So the stores are really designed 
to embody the brand and give the customer a really joyful experience and also for the customer to project their ideas onto it. And that was the purpose of them. And then also to really, as you said, feel immaculate, feel super clean. They are incredibly clean. Yeah, we actually had one of your, I think she, I want to say she was maybe a design architect that worked with you, Madeline Ringo. Yeah, um, yeah. Yeah. So I, I saw the stores then and I was just like, gosh, it's like being in an immersive art gallery, which kind of goes to your point of being able to showcase on Instagram, social media, and just having this like beautiful backdrop of the experience at hand, which is really cool. And listening to your thought process, it's it's really evident that like a combination of creativity, but then really understanding your customer base was really at the at the core of your design philosophy. Talking a little bit about Gen Z, I kind of want to know how do you guys approach building a, a community around the brand? And that can be both online and, and offline. And then and how does that community then tie into your product development? Our community really looks like a group of influencers and content creators and customers that love to earscape. And so when we open a new store, we invite influencers and content creators to come to the preview. We also work with a number of what we call earscapers in residence on our TikTok that create earscaping content. But the way the brand works is, you know, Anna and I are not the face of the brand. We are the founders and the operators, but the community of our retail team, um, our customers and our content creators who all have these, like, as we said, infinite ways to earscape with studs that are really having so much fun with piercings and earrings are the face of the brand. They're bringing the brand to life every day with their piercing experiences and when their ear styling experiences. That's really how we work with our community is we are either inviting influencers and creators to come in and get pierced, or we're working with them on partnerships around earring styling. And that's really around social media. So that's the main way. And then in terms of product development, a lot of that has more of a pipeline with our retail community. Our retail community is on the ground. They are interacting with the customer every day. They are selling the earrings. They are wearing the earrings. And our retail team are great earscapers, as we talked about. They're the earscape artists and they're the piercers. And so our merchandising team meets with and talks to our retail team. And they're giving us not only their own insights, but the customer's insights as to what we could be doing next from a merchandising perspective. Is it that we need to get more of this type of product, this thing that's really selling well online? Let's bring that to store. Let's test it. We often test products in one store before we roll them out to multiple. And so it's a close collaboration with the retail team and the merchandising team. Yeah, just a real testament to your dedication of really creating a holistic brand experience. I, I saw that you guys had a bus at the recent BravoCon in, in Las Vegas. Can you share the intention behind that and, and why BravoCon? Yeah, so Studs on Wheels is our piercing trailer. We built it about three years ago now and took it out on its first tour in the summer of 2021. It has one piercing room in it, and then we set up a display area inside of it as well as outside of it where you can shop for earrings. We really view it as the opportunity to bring our piercing experience to places where we otherwise couldn't go and the opportunity to tap into zeitgeist moments where we think the customer will naturally be. And so BravoCon was really obvious for us. Our customer loves Bravo, loves the Bravo celebrities. BravoCon's first year in Vegas. And we had an amazing partnership with NBC, which owns Bravo. 
in order to bring the trailer there. And we really said to ourselves, there are going to be 10,000 captive, really excited customers of both our trailer and of Bravo. And there's likely to be very high overlap between those groups. And so when we brought it there, the folks attending were so excited and we had a really amazing experience and we introduced lots of new people to studs. There were lots of people there who already knew about studs. And so our trailer will be on the road at least once a year going forward, if not more. Super cool. Were you able to get any of the uh, cast of Vanderpump to get their ears scaped? Not Vanderpump. Madison LaCroix was at the trailer. Lindsay Hubbard was at the trailer. Reza got pierced on a whim, which was super fun. And, you know, we felt really lucky. We've had lots of Bravo celebrities in the stores already. So we feel very tied into that community. I was going to say, I think people would pay good money to see Tom Sandoval get held down. Your skate. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Against as well. With a lightning bolt, right? <laughs> <laughs> That's super cool. So you mentioned BravoCon. As far as the bus goes, any universities or any plans to hit up Greek weeks at universities or anything like that? Totally. The Last year, we did uh, studs on campus and we went to UCLA and USC with studs on wheels and it was great. And there was lines on for UCLA. We went on campus onto the main campus drag and it was hugely successful for USC. We went to sorority row and we collaborated in the parking lot near the sorority houses, also really successful. So we would love to bring it back out to more universities. You know, both are great going to someplace like BravoCon with a huge activation part of like culture and going to universities where we won't necessarily open a stud store right on campus. Um, that's also a great way to increase brand awareness among students. So we, we're going to, you know, pursue both paths in the future. Absolutely. And then also to help test out new local markets, which you guys have ambitious plans to expand your store footprint. I think you guys just opened a new store in Chicago, I want to say. Yep. We just opened our 20th store and we're opening our 21st in two days. Congratulations. Where's the, the 21st going to be? Our third store in Boston. Fantastic. And then how do you guys like choose new locations? Is the bus part of that or do you guys do pop-ups in, in different locations or how do you go about evaluating which market is the next one that's right for growth? Yeah. So I think we think about it in a, a bunch of different ways. One way is that we really look at our e-commerce customer. And so where we have a pre-existing e-commerce customer, we believe that is a good leading indicator of where we should have a studio. Uh, and then secondly, we really also are focused on filling in markets where we're having great success. So to the point of opening the third studio in Boston, Boston's a great market for us. You'll see us open more studios next year in New York, where we have four already. And so for us, it's really both about new markets where the e-commerce customer is already and existing markets where we think we have really great demand. Well, great. So, you know, as we wrap, this conversation has just flown by, but I have two important questions for you both. So the first one is, can you both share a key lesson or insight that you've gained from building and scaling studs that you would like to then offer to other entrepreneurs? Sure. Don't pierce your ears with a safety pin. <laughs> <laughs> for us, I think you have to be in this for the long game. It's a marathon. It's not a sprint. We're almost four years into studs being introduced to the market, almost five years into us working on it. And I still feel like we're just getting started. And so I think for any entrepreneur that's working on a new business, 
you shouldn't focus on overnight success or the short-term milestones because we hope to create a lasting brand that can stand the test of time and be around the consumer world for 50 to 100 years. I think on my end, Anna and I were Studs is about to be four on Sunday. And I think, you know, one of the keys to our success has really been rigorous prioritization and not getting distracted by shiny objects, eye on the prize. And that's rigorous prioritization around defining what success is. What does product market fit mean? What will you do with your capital? If it isn't successful, look at the data and pivot. And so I think really being extremely rigorous around your goals, how you're going to resource your goals, what success looks like, and then being willing to not be precious about it and pivot if you're wrong has been at least our philosophy and has, has proven very successful. Yeah, super sound and valuable advice extended there to all of our listeners. And finally, of course, have to ask what is on your mind for 2024 and what can we expect to see from studs in the future? You can expect to see lots more stores, which is super exciting for us. And you can expect to see many, many more people with their ears pierced. Yeah, well, you know, I am always thrilled to see brands that have, uh, you know, a robust physical retail strategy, like seeing you guys open more and more stores. It's super exciting and encouraging to see for the whole retail industry at large. And I'm really eager to see where you guys go next. And the next time I'm in NYC, I, I think I should come down to one of your locations and have my earscaped. I think that could be a fun experience, hopefully for me, but for our <laughs> audience as well. <laughs> uh, Lisa, Anna, so, so great to have you on the show today and look forward to seeing what you do next. Thanks so much. We appreciate it. Thank you for listening to the Rethink Retail podcast. Don't forget to join us next week for another episode. And if you're interested in being a guest on the show, apply at rethink.industries slash podcast guest. That's rethink.industries slash podcast guest. Follow us on Twitter at Rethink underscore retail and show some love by subscribing on iTunes podcast app. Until next time.